Okay, um, today's scripture reading will be from the Gospel of Mark, starting in chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made the way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in a time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but a priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3. Again he entered a synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. That was the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. How you all doing? Uh, <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> um, this morning, I would like to talk to you about something that may be a foreign concept to some people. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about rhythm. Rhythm. Now, I understand the stereotypes. I happen to be an Asian American man, and as far as the stereotype goes, we are not known for our rhythm. Good at cooking? Maybe. Do your taxes? Sure. But dance? Uh, not so much. I'm from a culture not known for the rhythm and for their dancing. Not long ago, I had a conversation with Raina. And it went something like this. She says to me, our kids are getting older and there's going to be school dances. I look at her and I go, I know. And she says, someone's going to need to teach our kids how to dance. And I look at her and I say, right. And then she looks at me and she goes, we're in trouble. <laughs> it's not going to be one of us, obviously. I think we need to outsource this one is what she says. Now, I was offended. Honestly, I was offended because I was thinking, I have moves. I mean, speak for yourself, but I have moves. You've just never seen my moves. And so I, I, I think I had this thing called hidden potential. I'm just lacking a thing called opportunity. And I'm just wondering if there's anyone here, you feel like you have potential, but you just lack opportunity. No one here. So it must be that you have opportunity, but you lack potential. Okay, 
that, that maybe is more what it is. So this morning, I thought we could have a little bit of fun together. Can I have you all stand up? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to dance. That would be far too painful, okay? Don't worry about that. Today, we have this amazing opportunity to prove as a community that you can just simply keep a beat. Can you keep a beat? Are you people who have hidden rhythm and you just lack opportunity? Okay, you don't seem like you're convinced. Can you, like, pretend that you have rhythm? Have confidence that you have rhythm. Amen. I'm still not convinced, but, but, but let's, let's do it and let's try it. Okay, so here are my tools. We're clapping. Okay. <laughs> ah, that didn't sound very good. Okay, we're, gonna, we're stomping. Oh, you can't hear that. I got to really stomp. Okay, and then we do something like, hop. Good. Okay, those are our tools. Okay. Okay, so the first one is this. Pay attention. I lead. You follow with rhythm. Okay? You keep the beat. So it goes like this. Clap, 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 clap. Your turn. Clap, clap. Very good. Very good. You don't have to give yourselves a hand just yet. That was very good. Okay. Now, now, now a different one. Now, listen to this. We're going we're gonna to introduce a stomp. It goes like this. Clap, clap, stomp, clap, clap, stomp. Okay, now you, your turn. Ready? Go. Very good. Very, very good. Very, very good. I will give you guys a hand. That was very good. Okay. Last one, last one. Now, pay attention, okay? Clap, clap, slap, 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 stomp, stomp, clap. Clap, slap, clap, slap, clap, clap, hoop. Now your turn. Go. Yeah, that was awful. That was really bad. Really, really bad. Love you guys. That was really awful. Really, really awful. Now, now, but, but I bet you if we put in a little bit of time, everyone can do it all together, right? Like five hours of time, right? And you could do it, right? It is learnable. You guys can take a seat. You guys can take a seat. Our God is a God of rhythm. Did you know that? He created rhythm. He created the human ear and the mind to be able to detect order and pattern in the timing of noise. And when it's ordered and pattern, it's pleasing to the ear and to the mind and to the soul. Rhythm creates life when it's a nice rhythm. You want to maybe, maybe not dance, but you want to at least tap your feet, right? It creates life and energy. God has created our days with a kind of rhythm. He has created our weeks with a kind of rhythm. He has created our decades with a kind of rhythm. It's called the divine rhythm of creation. And your bodies and your souls function best when it is able to follow the beat. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, God is giving you his beat. This is my beat. And it's like he turns to his children and says, now, you follow. And if you can follow that beat, it's going to protect and nourish your soul, not just for a week, but for longevity. And our call as Christians is to follow the divine beat of our Father. It might be difficult for some at first, 
But if you put some intentionality to it, you can learn it. You can learn it, and it's going to sound really good to you, to the Lord, and to all those around you. Now, when we talk about weekly rhythm, we call that what? Sabbath. When we talk about daily rhythm, we call that what? Sleep. These all begin with S, by the way. When we talk about a seven-year rhythm, it's called a sabbatical. And so that is our roadmap for this morning. But first question, what is Sabbath rhythm for? What's the purpose of this Sabbath rhythm? I understand that Pastor Andrew is teaching from the scriptures, and he's talking about the value of Sabbath rest. What's the value? What's the point? What's the purpose? Alice read for us a passage in Mark where Jesus clarifies the purpose of the Sabbath rhythm. It starts off with the disciples of Jesus in this grain field, and they're, they're picking off the heads, and they're crushing, they're separating the chaff, and they're plucking out the grain, and they're eating it. Now, unfortunately, this violates the laws of the Pharisees, and so they have a problem with this. Now, Jesus responds by quoting an incident involving King David and his men eating consecrated bread. Jesus is not claiming that his disciples were not breaking the law, but his point is, look at the big picture. Under certain circumstances, it's warranted and it's justified. Now, Jesus is like, let's step back and look at the big picture. I want to clarify for everyone what the Sabbath is for. Now, Jesus gives this amazing one-liner. It's so easy to remember, and it's very powerful. He says, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, that's really easy to remember, and it's so powerful, that statement. The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? The Sabbath is a gift. It is a gift for human flourishing. God is giving humanity a gift. A day to worship God. A day to do fun things. A day to rest. Uh, De Young in his book, Crazy Busy, which is what we're going through, says the Sabbath, I really like how he says this. The Sabbath is an island of get-tos in a sea of have-tos. And I bet you there's a lot of people here who feel like you're drowning in a sea of have-to. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. And Jesus comes and he's like, God wants to give us a gift, a day of get-tos, a day of replenishment. So some of you might be tempted to walk out of here feeling like, ah, Pastor Andrews, you're giving us another thing to do. No, 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 no. This is a gift. This is something you get to do. Now, there, there's another one-liner that Jesus gives. I can't resist it. Because I got I to unpack it because it's so awesome. So Jesus says this. So the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, maybe you've heard that line. Do you know what that means? Well, one thing it could mean from this text is that if anyone has authority to tell you what the Sabbath means, it's Jesus. I am Lord of the Sabbath. And by the definition of his lordship, he is able to define what it truly means. But I think it means more than that. I think it also means that if anyone knows how to rest, it's Jesus Christ. Uh, my rest day is not on Sunday. It's actually on Monday. And I 
tend to have a problem with knowing what to do to really, really bring about rest. Sometimes I feel like my soul is, is restless. And so on that day, I will give a prayer, and I'm actually quoting this verse. I say, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of the Sabbath. If anyone knows how to rest, you do. Teach me how to rest on this day. Because sometimes I don't know how to do it. And I just make that a prayer. But I think it's even more than a prayer. When Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, I think it also means that Jesus is saying, I am rest itself. That the true rest that your soul desires can only be found in me. Now that's something you can chew on for a long time. I just just wanted to unpack that a little bit. But let's go back to the question, what's the purpose of the Sabbath? Sabbath is a gift for you. It's a gift for human flourishing. It's an island day of get-tos in a sea of have-tos. And then Jesus gives us two pictures of what Sabbath means and the purpose of the Sabbath. And the first picture is, you know, the disciples in the grain field. So what does that mean? Sabbath is the day to feed hungry souls. Does anyone here today have a hungry soul? The Sabbath is for you. And then there's, there's another picture that Jesus gives. It's in the narrative of this man with a withered hand, and it's on the Sabbath. And Jesus asks him to stretch it out, and he stretches it out, and his hand is made whole. So what is the Sabbath for? It is a day for you to take withered parts of yourself and to stretch it out and to bring life back to, the, to those withered places. That's what the Sabbath is for. It's a gift. So, why engage in a rhythm of rest on a weekly basis or a daily basis or a seven-year basis? Because the rhythm of rest is a gift for human flourishing, to feed hungry souls and to bring withered parts of us back to life. That's the point of the Sabbath. So once again, weekly rest is called Sabbath. Daily rest is called And seven-year rest is called. Okay, for the rest of this message, that's what we're going to unpack. The Sabbath, sleep, and then sabbatical. Okay, let's first talk about one day per week, the rhythm of rest, Sabbath. Now, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, this is before the fall. This is before everything got messed up. This is the first place that you see God's divine rhythm. And it kind of has a beat to it. It kind of goes like this, you know, day one, God said, then there was evening, then there was morning, the first day. I don't know if you ever read that, but there are patterns and there's rhythm. And day two, and God said, then there was evening and then there was morning, the second day. Day three, God said, you guys, you guys get it. Day four, God said. Day five, God said. Day six, God... And then we go to day seven, and it's completely different. It's not God saying something and making and working. It's God resting. It's different. So we got a beat. This divine rhythm of six days work, one day rest. Six days work, one day rest. Six day. Okay, you guys get the point, but I want to illustrate it a little bit further. 
Dino did say this was okay. I <laughs> know I'm, I'm touching his sword. There's another man's sword. I get it. I got it. I'll be, I'll be careful here. Okay, so want to sing a song about the Sabbath to you guys? No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. The divine rhythm from Genesis 1, okay? This is how it goes. It goes like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, something different. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, something different. Woohoo! Now, why did that sound so good? Did you notice that the first beat in the series was refreshing? Why was it refreshing? Because it came after rest. Right? That is the divine rhythm that God has given to us. And we flourish the best when we can follow the beat. Follow the beat. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. Now, I'm going to try to play what we do when we disregard the Sabbath. And this is kind of what it sounds like. You imagine God listening to the rhythm of our lives, and it kind of goes like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one, twenty-two, and I gotta meet the next deadline at work, and I'm burning out. Ha! Hawaii time! Hawaii time. I go to Hawaii. Ten days. Woo, that was great. Come back to her again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow, this is really boring and I hate my life. I imagine God listening to the rhythm. You're like, no, you're not following the beat. It sounds awful. That sounds awful. There's no rest. There's no replenishment. There's no perspective. There's no joy. I don't want that for you. I created a great rhythm. A great rhythm. And if you follow that rhythm, it's going to bring life and refreshment and joy and replenishment. And you'll be able to sing this song for a very long time. Now, I understand that even with this presentation, there are still going to be certain concerns, issues that emerge. And so I want to be really practical and address some of these issues. Now, when it comes to Sabbath, I think people have some confusion about what qualifies as Sabbath activity. What is Sabbath activity? Is this it? Is that it? I'm not really sure what you mean. Does this fit? And for other people, I think there's a natural objection. And the objection is, I I don't have time for a Sabbath. I got young kids. I got aging parents. I got deadlines at work. I got chores around the house. I got Are you going to come over and clean my house? I don't have time to have a Sabbath. And I have real reasons for not doing that. Okay, let's address both of these concerns. What qualifies as a Sabbath activity? How many of you think that doing chores around the house is a Sabbath activity? Raise your hands. Okay, one person. 
Not many people think that doing chores around house is Sabbath activity. What about hosting a dinner party? What about going to a ministry meeting on Sunday? Is that appropriate Sabbath activity? I would say, honestly, my best answer is it depends. It depends on whether that activity is life-giving for you. The Sabbath, says DeYoung, is an island of get-tos and a sea of have-tos. If throwing a party is not something you, you feel like, oh, it's something I get to do, then you, don't, you shouldn't do it on your Sabbath. It's much wiser to do it on a day outside the Sabbath, maybe a Saturday, maybe a weekday. But this day is something that you have to protect, and you fill it with a lot of life-giving things. Is this activity going to give you life? Save all those things for one day, one holy day, that you can just have joy and get filled back up and have life. It's the withered hand being made whole. Is that activity going to bring restoration to your withered parts of your body? And you just got to be really honest about that. Now, if you do Sabbath together as a family, it's going to be different. Maybe taking your kid to a Sunday afternoon soccer game is not life-giving for you. doesn't mean you don't do it. Because you're trying to practice Sabbath as a family. And we believe in things called mutual sacrificial love. But so let's say the afternoon you take your kid to a soccer game. It's not really life-giving to you, but it's life-giving for your kid. But later in the day, bake in something that would be life-giving to you. If, you're, if you practice like a, a, a Sabbath meal where you go out, maybe you can rotate who gets to choose where to go. Because different people come alive with different foods. Or if there's a Sabbath activity, maybe you can rotate who gets to choose what you guys are going to do as a family to practice life-giving rest and joy. But the big idea is we do things on that day to give life to our souls. And that, I mean, that's, that's why we start the morning together at church. Because we want to give life to our souls. We want to be in a place where, with other uh, brothers and sisters. And we want to worship God like Bina was saying at the very beginning of the set. We just want to give them our lives and tell them how good uh, we, we have it under his grace. And we fill the rest of that day with things that give us life. Now what I'd like you to do, because there are people here in this room like me. And you struggle with knowing what are those things that I like to do that give me life. And maybe right now we can do a little bit of brainstorming. So can, can I have you turn to someone next to you? I want you to share one or two things that you do that really gives life to your soul, life to your body, life to your heart and mind. One or two things. And just, just brains to share some ideas. Maybe your idea will stick on another person and, and they'll pick up your idea. Why don't you go ahead and do that in, in pairs right now. Just do that for a couple minutes. Go. Share ideas. Okay, well, hopefully you picked up a, a really good idea or two or just feel pretty good about what you do to, to rest. I, I would like to address the second issue, which is I don't have time to Sabbath. I just got all these pressing demands. I don't have time to Sabbath. And maybe the best answer I can give you is that if you feel like you can't afford to Sabbath, the truth is that you cannot afford not to. If you feel like your work is just too important for you to take a break, 
I could just as easily say, your work is too important for you not to Sabbath. Your work needs the Sunday pause. Your work needs the freshness that's experienced when you hit that reset button. Your longevity in your job depends on it. It's really that important. But honestly, there is something much deeper going on. I actually think it's a spiritual issue. I actually think it's a faith and trust issue. If God Almighty, who holds the world in the palm of his hand, says, I got a gift for you. I want you to take one day a week and save all those life-giving things for you and for your family and put them all on that day. It's a gift that I want to give you. And if you're like, no, 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 no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, then what are you communicating? Doesn't it communicate that you don't trust God? That you feel like you have to run the show, and if you don't run the show, then everything is going to collapse? Isn't it a faith thing for you to say, God, I know things are pretty crazy, but I trust that you are sovereign and in complete control. And if you say you give me one day a week, well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to believe you that everything's going to be okay even as I build this day for rest and restoration for me and my loved ones on this day. And that's what God wants us to do, to have faith and say, okay, I trust you. I'm going to take that day, make it holy, come to church, worship with all my heart, spend that day doing things that gives me life so that withered part of me can be restored. Okay, so we've talked about Sabbath, which is once a day. Now let's talk about um, the daily rhythm of sleep. The daily rhythm of sleep. Can I ask, uh, by show of hands, how many here get between seven to eight hours of sleep per night? Okay, that actually looks like less than half of the people here. Now, this would be kind of a vulnerable question. I'm really curious to know who will raise their hands. I'm curious. How many of you get over eight hours of sleep a night? Like you, you get like somewhere eight, nine, maybe even more than that. Raise your hands. <laughs> Someone's raising, Alec was raising their hand and someone behind me just gave him a high five. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, Alec. Now, maybe there's more people here who are getting more than eight hours. And you're, honestly, you're kind of embarrassed to raise your hand. I don't know if Alec was embarrassed, but he did his hand. It wasn't like, whoo, it was more like, like that. It was more like this. Then you're kind of embarrassed because you feel like I'm going to quote Proverbs 6, 9 and say, how long will you lie there, oh sluggard? You know, (laughs) you feel like I'm going to say that to Alec, right? You're like, Pastor Andrew might just go off on Alec. Now, that proverb in its proper context, the sluggard, yes, lying in bed, but it has in mind the person who would rather receive a handout then work hard to earn his keep. That's the context. So the value here is, is, is not to spend as little time as possible in bed. No, that's not the value. If God created your body to need nine hours of sleep, then God bless you, Alec, you know, get nine hours of sleep. Now, uh, equally vulnerable, how many people are getting less than seven hours of sleep per night? Raise your hand. Okay. How many, okay, that's actually more than half. How many less than six? Okay. 
that's a little bit less than people who are getting eight. How many less than five? Oh, man. Okay, here's, okay, here's my word for you. <laughs> it is not rocket science. The word of grace to you is, you got to get more sleep. <laughs> that's the word. That's the word. Different people need different amounts of sleep. Some people, their bodies need only six hours of sleep. That's amazing. I wish I had a body like that. I don't. Most people here probably could use more sleep. And so just super practical advice here. Maybe we need to get more sleep. Maybe we need to go to, go to bed early. For some reason, we've given off the impression that somehow it's godlier to get by on less sleep so we can do more important things. But God made us physical beings. We can't go without sleep very long without doing harm to our bodies and to our souls. That is the way God made us, finite and fragile. So the short of it is maybe we need to get more sleep and go to bed earlier. Psalm 127.2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. The context of these verses is someone who is working so hard on their own glory and working hard on something that God is not behind. And then this amazing, awesome, wonderful verse, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. What a grace-filled verse. You know, not long ago, Rana was uh, knitting together a cap. It was going to be our um, do-it-yourself kind of secret Santa exchange. And so she was knitting together a cap that was going to be uh, a Pokemon cap. So a lot of yellow, yeah, Pikachu. And she was uh, knitting the cap late into the night. I had already gone to bed because, you know, God gives his beloved sleep. And he, she's knitting the cap, and then she just hears a very quiet voice say, you know, honey, why don't you get some sleep? And then uh, <laughs> Rena was like, she was like really determined. She was like on the, the zone, right? She's like, oh, I just want to do one more loop. That's what she says to God. Lord, I just want to do one more loop. And it's, it's almost as if God said, you know, go ahead. And so she, she knits a loop, she puts it down, and then she, she goes to bed. And she's, uh, she's telling me this story the next day, and she's, she, she has tears in her eyes. Because it wasn't the voice of, get to bed! But it was the gentle, compassionate, nurturing voice of God, looking at his daughter, who just needs sleep, saying, honey, why don't you go to bed? And even when she was like, one more loop, God's like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's tears in her eyes, and I'm thinking about it. It brings tears to my eyes. I mean, how gracious, how gentle, how compassionate, how nurturing is God? And maybe the word for you guys is not, hey, get to bed. But it's like, honey, why don't you go to bed earlier? You need more sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. What a beautiful word. What a, what a word full of grace. I feel like there's probably people this morning who need to hear that word of grace. Uh, we're talking about divine rhythms here. So one day per week is. And daily rhythm is. And, okay, here we... Now normally, you stop right there. 
you go, okay, we're done. Go do it, you know. <laughs> but there's one more. There's one more. Seven-year rhythm is called a sabbatical. It's called a sabbatical. Just curious. Anyone here ever taken a sabbatical? Three, four of us. Four of us in this room. Four of us in this room are the only ones who are biblical. I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, let's read Leviticus 25, uh, starting in verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather it in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. Uh, Let me explain this do a little bit of systematic theology, just a little bit. When Jesus came, did all the required details of the Old Testament Sabbath go away? I would say yes. Did all the ceremonial ritual go away? I would say yes. Was the heart of the Sabbath clarified and brought back to the rhythm of creation? I would say yes. But did the principle and the ethics around the Sabbath or the sabbatical also go away? I would say no. Some might disagree with me, but I believe that the principle and the wisdom and the ethics of this passage still applies. Now, the hardworking farmer would work his land for six years, and then on year number six, God would bring three times the harvest in. And then on year number seven, he would do nothing. Just lay Let the land go fallow. No sowing, no pruning, no reaping, no gathering. Whatever grows is whatever grows. And whatever grows, we'll eat some of it and we'll give a lot of it to the poor. This was supposed to be the new divine rhythm. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about this. What I want to do right now is just, just, you know, talking about sowing. Just plant, plant a little seed. And maybe later we'll talk more about it. Just as a frame of reference, you're like, who in the world has done this besides the four? Uh, Gordon Wong has also uh, had, a, had a sabbatical. I don't know if he, if he was influenced by Leviticus or he's just like, I just want a break. But <clears throat> you can ask him. He worked for seven years at his job. And then he took six months to go to China and learn the Chinese language. And then his, his boss valued him so much that after the six months still re-engaged him in his, his position at work. And so, actually, there are more people than we, when we think who have actually practiced a Sabbath. What would happen if you asked your boss for a sabbatical season of rest during the seventh year of work? I'm just asking, just wondering. What would happen, for those of you who have more flexibility, if you got interestingly biblical and took a season of rest during your seventh year of work. Just throwing that out there. Now, I know it's not the American way, and the American way is that you work every year. Every year you work until you're 65, and then you stop working for the rest of your life. Right? That's the American way. Now, you could do that, 
But I want you to think of all the refreshment you're missing. I want you to think of all the, the reset buttons that you wouldn't be able to push. I want you to think of all the perspective that you would have if you stopped every six years to reprioritize and refocus your life. Our board granted me a sabbatical. I might, I might have talked to you about that. I went away for a month, came back. And when I came back, I was convinced that my life before my sabbatical was 80% right on and 20% off. And I've been working hard on correcting the 20%. Is it possible that right now with all of our lives, we're 80% on and 20% off? And you don't know what that 20% is unless you just step away, have some time for the machine to settle down, and then you look back, then you go, oh, why did I, why did I do it that way? What if we have this 20% where we're totally off and we don't know what that 20% is off and the time that we know it, it's too late. It's too much to afford here to not have a sabbatical, actually, perhaps. Okay, now I'm throwing that out. We can talk more about that later. This is just food for thought, a biblical thought that kind of like, whoa, I didn't think about that before. Now, I I want to do one final thought and then we're going to bring Bino and Eileen back. Um, now, we're keeping on this topic of rest and Sabbath and doing things to restore your soul. Anyone here planning on watching the Super Bowl today? Raise your hands. Come on, we're talking about the American way. Come on now. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, anyone here have a large screen TV and would like to invite their favorite pastor over? <laughs> You're like, no, I already invited Pastor Calvin over. Thank you. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I, someone already invited me over, so... But anyone here rooting for the Seahawks? Marshawn Lynch, Cal... Okay, anyone um, uh, rooting for uh, the Cheaters? Um, I'm just kidding, just kidding. The Patriots. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I, recently I was asked by someone, who you're rooting for, Andrew? And I'm just going to be totally honest. What I said to this person is, I really just want to root for the team that wins. Well, that's how I feel. I just want to root for the team that wins. Because you know how it feels. You, you, you're so enmeshed you, on this team. You really, really want them to win. And then when they lose, you get all mopey and depressed. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I, I hate that feeling. The last thing I need on my Sabbath is to feel that way. I just want to root for the winning team. Can I get an amen? I'm going to preach to this plan here. Hey, <clears throat> no, you know what I'm talking about. You want to be on the winning team, especially on your day of rest. Where are you going with this, Pastor Andrew? In the moment that Jesus hung on the cross, he said three amazing words. He said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. At that moment that he died on the the, the cross, the price of sin was paid. The war was won. That means we are no longer fighting for victory, but we are fighting from victory. The war has been won. We know that God's going to win. Now, listen, if you don't know this, if you're living life not knowing who's going to win in the end, then by all means, you cannot afford to Sabbath. Because you're like, so much depends upon you. You got to work, 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 work. Because who knows, maybe that extra day of work could make you, your, your team win. But if you know that your team is going to win, 
And when the sovereign God says, take a day of rest, what do you do? You go, I'm good, thank you. I'm going to take that day of rest because I know where this thing is going. Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is done. It's done. That means that you can rest. And when he offers that day of grace, you'd be crazy to pass that up. We're already going to win. Our work is too important for not, us not to f- abide by the divine rhythm of God. Can I get an amen from you guys? All right. Can you stand up and I will pray. Lord Jesus, it still uh, captures parts of me that you said, the Son of Man is is Lord even of the Sabbath. It, It means that you are the one who invites us to the table. You are the one who invites us to have true rest. You're the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Lord Jesus, you are true rest. And I pray that weary souls this morning would find true rest in Jesus. I pray that souls that feel like they are just being pulled in so many directions and they have such little to give would find true rest, restoration, replenishment at your table, your table of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.